on that night is just surrender our fears and anxiety to God and allow the Holy Spirit to just fix our hearts on Jesus Christ and, and, and his, that he is seated on the throne. And, and it was just a reminder to us that there are so many people um, who need the living hope of Jesus. And that so, so many times we get distracted, we have, we have a lot of things in our lives that we have to take care of, people that pop up, uh, struggles or, or, or issues that we did not expect and we're trying to take care of all these things and, and sometimes God can, uh, sometimes the world can just kind of take us away from, from the, the idea that, that, that God has called us uh, to this mission, uh, that sometimes even the struggles in our life can take us away or, 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 or blind us from seeing the things that God is actually doing amongst us and praising him. Uh, in, in the parenting conference uh, last night, uh, one of the people in my group said, thank you for praying for me. We, were, we, we had them write cards and uh, these, these people are not Christian. And we said, write down you know, your prayer requests on your cards and we'll, we'll pray for you. And so, uh, even their non-Christian, some of them were picking up the cards and they wrote this guy, he wrote like the whole card, like full of prayer requests. And uh, so uh, Anne and the others were just praying for him and he, he came last night and he said, you know, uh, Pastor Harrison, thank you so much for praying for me because God answered your prayers. God answered your prayers and he was saying how God just really rescued him and his family from homelessness basically and 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 he was just he was just so happy he says i was so happy i forgot to come last night the other night uh but it's again he was just he he's not a christian he was just so excited and saying god has answered your prayer so i really do believe that that and trust that someday god will lead him to jesus christ that he will not only know that that god is a powerful god that god cares for him but he will know god uh, through uh, putting his trust in Jesus as Savior. So we continue to pray, we continue to, to minister, and God's doing a really good work, um, doing a good work here in Living Hope. And don't let the trials and struggles and worries of this life take your eyes away from really what God is doing what God is doing among us. We really praise God. And presently, we've been focusing on uh, four groups of people. We've been looking at those who've been uh, affected by human trafficking, uh, those affected by disabilities, single parents, single moms and dads, and foster children and families. And, and actually, presently, we're focusing on foster children and foster families. We've been given a number of resource people in our church family who have firsthand experience in this. So please take advantage of, of having a chance to talk with them and, and find out their story, and we'll be hearing from them uh, throughout the weeks to come. So this morning, we want to conclude our study on the life of Hagar and the idea that our God is a God who hears and who sees. And like it's like when no one else in this world seems to understand like what we're going through, God sees, he knows. When, when everyone else seems too busy to care, God does hear. He hears our cry. You know, we looked at um, Genesis, and we saw like two weeks ago that the main focus of the latter half of Genesis is the faithfulness of God, and that Abraham was, was called by God to depart in faith and obedience and go to a new land that God has promised, and that God would make him an instrument, that his family would become a nation that would bless the world. And several years later, we saw that, I mean, several years later, we saw that in a, a, there was a major obstacle to God's promise, and that was the fact 
fact that Sarah, his wife, was barren. And Sarah and Abraham, we saw, turned to human means of having a child through Hagar, an Egyptian servant. And Hagar, actually, I know this is kind of an abstract picture, but that's supposed to be Hagar. Does this have a pointer there or whatever? Hagar in the, in the desert. But basically, Hagar, when she uh, became pregnant, it created a tension in the family. And Hagar actually had to flee. She fled into the desert. And it was there in the wilderness that Hagar met Elroy, the God who sees me. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said he promised her that he will care for her, that she will have a child, and if she returns to Abraham uh, and Sarah and returns back, that, that her son, uh, she'll give birth to a son whose name will be Ishmael, who, whose name actually means the Lord hears. And so today what we want to look at is we want to kind of wrap up, look deeper into the practical implications of what it means to say that the Lord is the God who sees me, the God who hears me, the God who remembers his promises. And so we want to look at uh, John, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 21. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 21, and shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? Let's go ahead and let's stand together. In chapter 21, verse 1, it says, The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah had bore him, called him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that they would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. May the Lord bless the reading of his words. You may be seated. Now, now, when we come to this passage, you, most readers would think that this is like a, a fitting conclusion to the, the story of Abraham and Sarah because God has fulfilled his promise and given them a, a child finally, and you would say, okay, that's a, a happy ending. Everything is done. But in Genesis chapter 21, the story goes on in verse 8, and verse 8 says, And the child grew, meaning Isaac grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that day when Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to him, laughing. Now, the reader, when they read this, they go, Oh, that's right. I forgot totally about, about Ishmael that they have another son. And, and, and it's here that oftentimes as we think about this, we're reminded that a lot of times um, we do make a mess because of our sin. We talked about that last time, that, that, that a lot of times people are victims because of the bad choices that, that we make ourselves. And, and sometimes when we have these messes in our lives, we would like to say, I just want to forget about that. I just want to cover it up. I want to get, get rid of it, God. I just want things to be neat and clean, and I don't want to have to worry about all these other things. And, and, and in this passage, we'll see that, that, that thank God that God is not, he's not like us. Uh, he doesn't forget those who are hurt by some of the messes that we make uh, because of our bad choices. 
And more importantly, that God is a God who remembers his promises. He remembers his promises to those who are forgotten. Even by, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they forgot about him. The people reading Genesis forgot about Ishmael, but God says, I, I don't forget, I don't forget you because I made a promise to you. And I will still have a plan of, of you sharing in, in, in this blessing. You know, when, when Sarah thought about, when Sarah was reminded of Ishmael, what was she thinking? She was thinking, um, God, I just want to get rid of him. He, he, he's, a, he's a trouble. He's a problem. He's a threat uh, to, to my son. And so, uh, but yet God reminds us as we look at this story that the very reason for the birth of Isaac is so that people like Ishmael may be reached for the gospel. That's why Isaac is born, so that the Ishmaels of this world may come to be blessed by God. And, and, and we must never forget that the reason that God blesses us with salvation, we're happy about our salvation, we're happy about the Isaac that we receive. Wow, God has blessed, God has answered prayers, but God continues to remind us that the reason why he gives us these Isaacs, the reason why he answers his prayers and he's faithful to us, is so that we can show the same love and compassion and remember those that have been forgotten. See, in verse 8, it says that Isaac was weaned and there's a great celebration and, and everybody's happy except for Hagar. Hagar's worried. She's scared. She's thinking, man, what's going to happen to me now? Because they've got their child now. They don't need me. And in verse 9, it says that Sarah sees Ishmael laughing. Now, we don't know uh, what this, you know, how he's laughing. You know, maybe he's making fun of, of Isaac, um, you know, like siblings. Uh, maybe it's a little bit malicious. We don't know. It simply says that he's laughing. But Sarah responds um, actually in a, in a kind of a demeaning way. She says to Abraham, she says in verse 10, Cast out this slave woman and her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And this thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Now you notice that Sarah says twice, she says, this slave woman. And she's really kind of, kind of pushing it in there to her, saying, this is, she's not part of our family. She's not someone we want. She's not someone that's, that's really, you know, part of the blessing. She's a slave woman. And this child of a slave woman is not, is absolutely not going to share in the inheritance with my son. In fact, I don't want him to be in this community of blessing. I want him to leave. And, and, and what's ironic is she literally says, he will never be an heir with my son. And think of, think of all the times in the New Testament when God says, you now are co-heirs with Jesus. You Gentiles who are outside of the family of blessing. That includes us. He says, you Gentiles, now because of the love of Christ, have now been made co-heirs with Jesus. And that's kind of like God saying, this was my plan all along. 
that that Ishmael, yes, we, we he he can be put aside for now to be to to have his own way and 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 maybe not to threaten Isaac, but God does not forget, and He says someday the 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 descendants of Ishmael, the whole reason why Isaac is born, the whole reason why Isaac is given to you, is so that Ishmael, these Ishmaels in this world, us Ishmaels in this world, can be co-heirs with Isaac and enjoy his blessing. That's why God gave, um, gave Isaac to them. And so God says to Abraham, he says, don't be displeased uh, because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says, you, to ask you to do, um, you know, do it and, and through Isaac shall be your offspring and I will make a nation of the son of a slave woman also because he is your offspring. God says to Abraham, he says, I'll take care of Hagar and Ishmael. I'll, I'll make a nation out of them. And now maybe this was God's plan all along for Ishmael to actually be pushed out of the camp. Uh, but, but God still has a plan for Ishmael. He's not going to forget him. Uh, Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and, and water and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. She departed into the wilderness. And then verse 15, we see that when the water was gone, and, and notice again, there's this emphasis on water. We're going to come back to that. Uh, she put the child in one of the bushes. She went and sat opposite him, afar off in the distance, and she says, let me not look on the death of the child, and she sat opposite him, and, and lifted her voice and wept, and, and you, this is a really, um, if you can picture this, it's really powerful, this is very tragic. A, a, a mother saying, I, I can't bear to see my child die, so I, I you know, I, I, I just want to put him in the bush and, and and let, let God, well, let, let him go. And in verse 17, God comes. And he says, he heard the voice of the boy. Now again, this is very important. God heard the voice of the boy. That's, the vo that's his name, Isaac. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for, the, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, hold him fast in your hand, and I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened his eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin of water, gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy. He grew up and lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. His mother took a wife for him in the land of Egypt. So here we now, we see the second time Hagar actually receives a visitation from God. Back in Genesis chapter 16, we saw that Ishmael means the Lord hears. And basically, Ishmael's name was a promise to Hagar that God will hear the cries of her son, that he will remember the promises that he has given. Because the son, he's, he's older now. This has been several years now since she ran off in the wilderness before. She's had her son. Son's a little bit older now. And uh, God says, but, you know, it's been a years ago. I still remember I still promise that, that, that your son is going to, there's going to be a nation coming out of your son. He's not going to die. And here again, we see two people, this situation, two people here, Hagar and Ishmael, who have no one to champion their needs. Everyone else in the community sees them as an inconvenience, a problem that we need to take care of because it's getting in the way of things that, that we want to do. That, that, that's the way people deal with it in this world, right? Cast them out. 
Forget about them. Don't let people know. You know, we've been mentioning, you know, foster children in our society are often seen as inconveniences to people's plans. So we weren't expecting to have a child this young. This, this, this messes up our plans. We were going to do all these things. We're, we're not ready to have a child. Or we don't want to have a child. And so foster children are really, they are the Hagars and the Ishmaels of our society right now. And here in Genesis 21, this is what God says to these dear ones. He says, I will not forget you. It is for this very reason that I have brought Jesus so that he will care for you and provide for you. God says, God will hear, I hear the cries, the cries for help, the cries for love, the cries for a savior to champion, to champion the injustices that have been done to these ones in our society, in our, in our community. And Genesis 21 is that's the same command, it's a command to us because who is God now in our world? Who is the one now who says, I hear and I remember and I will never forget you? That's us. We are now God's ears. We are now God's presence. We are God's hands now. We are called uh, to be the ones now who hear the cries of those who are forgotten. We are the ones who are called to remember that God will not forsake the, the ones that the world has forsaken. That, that we're the ones in this world who, say, who are to say to people, beloved of God, what troubles you? Fear not. For God has heard your voice. This is what we are to say to people who are crying out right now in the wilderness, whether they're foster kids, whether they are our coworkers, whether they are our classmates, whether they're just people who are victims, who are really hurt, who are yearning for someone to say to them, fear not, for God has heard your cries. This is what God wants to extend to this world. This is how he wants us to live in this world. And so we want to look at the second thing. What does it mean to say God has heard your cries? When we say that to someone, or if we say God has heard your cries, God cares about you, what does this actually mean? Because God is not simply saying to Hagar, don't worry, I can hear your son, I'm up here in heaven, I hear everything. No, God actually, what he is doing is he is in a sense, he is acting salvifically. What he does is he brings salvation. He doesn't, you know, when we think about um, right now, we're raising awareness about these different groups of people. Um, it doesn't mean that we're just going to feel sorry for them or we're going to be aware that there's this need, but rather we're going to, to work very hard to, to bring the salvation of God, the salvific work of Jesus Christ to those who are lost without hope. Okay, that's what it means to say that we hear. I hear you. When somebody, you know, when you're talking to somebody, say, I hear you, I hear you. It doesn't mean I audibly can hear you. It means I get you. I, I understand. I, I know what you're, what you're talking about. And that's what we're saying to others. When we say, I hear you, God hears you. We're not saying, oh, God, he hears your prayers. Just say prayers and God will hear you. We're saying, we're saying you, you, you come to, to God who, who is the, the, the source of your salvation. 
In verse 17, it says, God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar. And he says, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for, the God, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. And the first thing we see from this is that God responds uh, with compassion and kindness to calm our fears, to speak words of truth and of hope. And that's, that's really the first thing when we talk about how God responds when he hears, is that he responds with compassion and kindness. Okay, the Bible says it, your kindness, it's kindness that leads to repentance. And so as, as people who are reaching out with the, the living hope of Jesus Christ, uh, kindness now becomes a very, very important part of who we are and what we do. We must stand for what is true. We must always fight for what is honorable. We must never compromise with this world. But yet the fight must be fought with kindness. Because our, our, our goal and desire is to see people come to repentance. You know, Jesus, when he spoke, with the, uh, when he spoke to the Pharisees, he did not mince words. He was very, very strong. You know, he calls you vipers, he calls you whitewashed tombs, and they knew what he was talking about, and those things were kind of, you could say they're kind of mean, I would say it's just truth, uh, because in the end, he forgave, he, he tried, to, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He's not saying, you know, give them forgiveness, but he's saying in his heart, there, there's a sense that he is not like, I hate these guys, I hope they all go to hell for what they're doing, um, no. He wants, them, he wants them to be saved. When Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, approached him, he didn't say, oh yeah, you're one of those guys. You know, those guys. No, he, he talked with him. He shared with him about, uh, about the, the, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Nicodemus was, was, was popping up every once in a while in the scripture, and, and people did approach him. And so, so there's a sense that even though uh, uh, Jesus himself was a very strong person, he, he did not mince words, he spoke the truth, he was very strong when people were standing with lies and when people were on their way to condemnation and leading others into condemnation, but at the same time, he was a person uh, who had a tremendous compassion and tremendous kindness. And so that's the first issue that we wanna think about as we think about uh, what God has called us to be. Verse 18 um, goes on to the second thing and he says lift up the boy hold him fast with your hand and I will make him into a great nation then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin of water and gave it to the boy now here it says God provides water now the idea of water actually is not just water to to drink so that he will live physically I, I believe that this actually is is a picture of salvation Okay, a, a picture of salvation. This idea of living of water being provided uh, in the desert. Remember Abraham, before he sent her off, says, I'm, I'm gonna give you some water. And when the water had run out, meaning they, they have nothing now, they're going to die, God provides them a miraculous uh, spring of water that comes out in the desert. And again, this points to Jesus. I mean, Jesus actually says, you know, he says, if you knew the gift of God, and this is speaking to the Samaritan woman, who is, again, one of those people, like the Samaritan woman, it's like, you know, um, give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Again, he would have given you salvation. 
if you knew who he was. Uh, whoever believes in me, as scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, revel, uh, John, uh, springs of living water. Uh, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is talking a bit about like heaven, what it's going to be like, this springs of living water. So I really believe that um, this idea of water is not just God was really nice to provide something so they wouldn't die in the desert. This was a picture or a symbol that God desires to give salvation to those who are perishing. That's really what this is. When, 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 when Sarah says, okay, what I want to do is say, you're a slave woman, you're the son of a slave woman, you are problems for me, I already have God's blessing, I already have everything I need, send her away. Get rid of her, because it's a problem. He, he, he's not going to be an heir. He's not going to be a part of this blessed community, because it's going to cause trouble. That, that's not to blame Sarah, she's a godly woman, but that, her, her response in that verse kind of reflects a lot of times what we think sometimes. Wow, you know, people coming in, they cause a lot of trouble. Wow, this is hard because, you know, they're, they're gonna affect my kids. Uh, uh, they're gonna affect the programs. They're, they're gonna, it's gonna be hard to worship. Uh, it's gonna be hard to do this, hard to do that. Um, uh, you know, we've got so many struggles and problems inside the church already to take care of. How are we gonna take care of these? How are we gonna think about other people? Um, oh, they're, they're, they don't, they're, they're not like us at all. They don't think like us. Uh, they don't do the same things we do. And we say, well, it's kind of a problem. Let's leave them outside the community. They're not gonna be co-heirs with Jesus, with me. And yet God's heart says, um, this is the very reason why Isaac was given. Do not forget the gift that you are given, this miracle son that you are given, Isaac. You celebrate and you remember that he's given so that people like Ishmael will not die in the desert, that they will find those streams of living water that that's what God's heart is, that that's what, what God wants. And he's saying to us as well that this is, this is our mission. This is what God is calling us to do. The one thing that drives us together is, is, is that God's acts are salvific. God wants us to continue to bring, the sal to bring the living hope of Jesus to a world that does not know him. Just because, he says, just because you got your Isaac doesn't mean you forget about Ishmael. We all got our ways of getting Isaac. You know, we pray and God gives us, we say, oh man, boom, God answered prayer. I'm so excited, this is great. And God says, well, wait a minute. Do you know why I answered that prayer? So that you can bless others. It's not just for you. It's not just so you celebrate and laugh and say, look, what a miracle God has done for me that God had answered this prayer. He says, no, I want, that's what, I give this to you so you can bless others, so that you can go out to those who are hurting, who have no living water, and bring them and show them that there's a living water uh, in Jesus. That's why I have done these things for you. God never forgets. We forget all the time. We get so excited about the things that we have. We get so uh, worried about the things we don't have that we forget. But God says, I don't forget. I'll never forget. And, and, and I'm gonna remind you as a people, you never forget your mission. 
of why you're given this blessing, even why are you given these troubles, is so that you can reach out to the people who are in the desert right now, who, who are so tragic, I mean that tragic picture of having to put your child in a bush somewhere away so that, because you can't bear to see him die. That, that's the world. That's the suffering. That's the condition that they are in. And, and, and we have to think about that and, and understand that's, that's the agony that they go through because they don't have this living water. And here we are with Isaac, we're so happy and ah. And this, this, is, this is God calling us today. As we take communion, this is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. When we take communion, we're reminded that, that we're forgiven by God completely. That's a blessing. I will never have to worry about the sins that I have committed in my youth, about the sins that I commit now, about the sins that I commit in the future, no matter how serious or terrible they are that I can't wash away. We never have to worry about them again. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We never have to worry about the judgment of others and, and, and the judgment of God. Why? Because God has already judged us and said we are righteous. We are his children. We are his co-heirs. We, we don't have to do things to make God love us. We don't have to doubt at any point in time that we've done enough things to make God loves us because God says I've given my son my blood my son's blood and his body to show how much I love you Jesus is the love of God it reminds us of of the Isaac of the blessing that we have together when we partake of the the bread and, and the blood of you're here, you're a believer, you can partake of this. When we eat the blood, when we eat the, the bread, when we take the cup, we are sharing in Jesus. We're sharing in what he did. We're reminding ourselves that all these blessings that we have, the fears that are gone away, the hope that we have in our lives, this is something that is a, a gift of God. And now God is saying, as you enjoy and remember these gifts, you now go out and love the Ishmael, whoever he's going to be or she's going to be this week. Because that's, why, well, that's what this is for. That's why we have all these blessings. And so we're going to take some time now for communion. This is something that our Lord Jesus Christ established for us as believers, that we would always remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that we will always continue to declare him until he comes. So let's just spend some time in, 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 in meditation, getting ready. And when you take the communion, go ahead and take it with other people and just praise God. Praise God for the gifts that you have received, that we have received through Jesus Christ. Let that be uh, the thing that motivates us and moves us uh, to reach the Ishmaels in our world. So, so when you're ready, please do come. If you're a believer, you're welcome to take communion. And please pray, pray with others.